Here's a kid out of college with barely enough money to just pay the bills, now has to go hire developers, pay tens and thousands of dollars of money he doesn't have. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. And I want to thank my listeners in Florida, in particular, Naples, Florida, where my grandma and grandpa retire when they were older, for joining the mission today. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guests, Solomon Timothy. Solomon, are you ready to join the mission? I am so ready. <laughs> I want to introduce you to the audience. Solomon is a highly accomplished entrepreneur with over 17 years of experience in marketing and sales. As the co-founder and CEO of IMS, a leading inbound marketing and sales agency, as well as ClickX, he has helped businesses double their revenue using the 10X framework. Solomon is also an expert in lead generation and customer acquisition in the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. In addition to his work, Solomon also is an angel investor and startup advisor. He has helped numerous startups grow and scale, leveraging his expertise in marketing, sales, and business strategy. Solomon, please take a minute and tell us the unique value that you are bringing to this wonderful world. Absolutely. I think as entrepreneurs, Andrew, everybody has one goal, which is to grow their business. But the challenge is, which avenue is best for each entrepreneur? And the answer is, it really, really depends on the business. I spoke to a young lady today who's trying to grow her really high-ticket mastermind, you know, that she put together hand-picked people, and she's trying to build her funnel. So my value prop is figuring out which model, which system is going to work best for the entrepreneurs that I get the privilege of working with. It literally is that unique. It's kind of like our fingerprints. What works for you may not work for me. And what works for me may not work for you. So you need to build these custom you know, blueprints per business. And that is where I find all my joy every single day. Mm -hmm. It's interesting about growth. You know, For any of the listeners out there, listen carefully to what he said, because the thing that matters most in business is growth. And I once, Solomon, as a financial analyst, I was asked the question, what's more valuable to own a highly profitable company or to own a fast growing company? And when I said growth, I mean growth in profit. And so I think that for most people, it's kind of intuitively obvious, but that's a great opportunity to academically test the question. So I looked at all companies in the world and I narrowed it down to about 10,000 companies that had data over a 20 year period. And I rebalanced a portfolio of stocks into the highest growth and the highest profitability stocks. So in other words, like the top decile or the top 50 or 100 stocks that were the fastest growing or the highest profitability. And every year I re-ranked them based upon their past or most recent growth or their most recent profitability. I didn't forward forecast because that brings a lot of complications. And then I measured the performance of those two portfolios as if I put $100 million into both of them and let them grow over time. The good news is both of them outperform the stock market or the average performance of all the stocks. 
and profitability outperformed by a considerable amount, but growth outperformed by a much higher amount. Now, of course, I like to, being the analyst, I ask the question, what if I was to combine a combination of these two companies that are highest in profitability and highest in growth? Of course, those are the superstars and they are outperforming all others. But if you had to only choose one measure to understand your business, how much did your net profit grow this year versus last year? And how much is it gonna grow next year versus this year? That's what matters. Any thoughts on my research? Wow. First of all, kudos on that. That should be like a paper, you know, in Harvard Business Review or something like that, because that is insanely valuable. Secondly, if you live in my world for a day, well, obviously they're not, you know, Fortune 50 companies. These are entrepreneurs. They're on a mission to figure out how they can crush their competition in the nicest way possible, right? Like they like competition, but they want to make sure that they don't look like they're competing because either you're a follower or a leader. Would you agree? Like that is those companies that you were researching, they're leaders. They're not following somebody else's trend. They're not living off of somebody else's AI research. They are creating value that is new that no one's ever done before or in a way that no one's ever done before. So to like literally, I admire that kind of research. But our job is to figure out how to turn our customers from looking like a follower because they might be leaders, but they don't look like a leader mm. to actually making them look like a leader where people say, wow, if you want this, this is the company. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that you're going to go to somebody else because they, they really are. And people make buying decisions, unfortunately, just by the way a website looks. <laughs> mm. You know, uh, yeah, it's... Uh... I was posted something on, on LinkedIn last night before I went to bed called thank capitalism. And the that. point, the point is it's not government bureaucrats or climate change fanatics or ESG compliance people or others that are out there trying to regulate innovation. It was capitalism. It's the private right. ownership, the free market, and most importantly, the voluntary exchange. And Solomon, a lot of people say to me, oh, look at capitalism. You get this big, big, big company, you know, like Amazon, that's a problem. Well, I, I can say that, you know, a government can set guidelines about what's a maximum market share and, and can try to regulate that a little bit. I'm not totally against that, but I like to tell those people, grow up, look at the other side of the equation. There's millions of dead businesses that died this year because they couldn't get product market fit. And that is the beauty of capitalism. You can't get it until you've got that product market fit, which means voluntary exchange. People have to voluntarily wanna sign up and get your product or service. And that, that's why growth is hard. And that's why capitalism brings so much innovation. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. And Quite frankly, that goes in line with what we teach here. You know, you talked about the 10x framework and our growth formula. Is it okay we go over that real Please, quick? Please tell me because I probably <laughs> need some help with that too. <laughs> and the reason is this goes in line with what you were saying. There's two ways that we can grow any business. Two ways. All right. So we call this the growth formula. It's the granddaddy of all everything that everybody's trying to do. Is inside here. And I think you could research this and mm. turn it into a, a giant research paper. It's A plus R equals growth. 
So for those of you, are, what is A and what is R? It's acquisition on one side and retention on the other side equals growth. You got to add customers and that's every business. We all work every day. Everybody's worried about adding customers, but we need to equally be concerned about retaining the customers that we have. That is a whole different kind of conversation in the podcast episode in itself. You add the two together, then you get growth. This is the exact same formula that we would use if I were to grow your podcast. We got to get new listeners and we got to keep the listeners that we have. That's how you grow a YouTube channel. You and I talked about wealth and portfolio management. We got to acquire a bunch of money and keep that money. <laughs> because, because if that money is gone, we don't have growth, right? <laughs> like it's the two always that has to work. So when we use this framework in a business environment, we look at the pipeline of the customer and say, how do we grow this company? We got to acquire new customers. Is it okay? I share you exactly how Please, to acquire. Tell me. There's only two ways. There's yep. only two ways. Isn't yep. this amazing? And this is, and I'll tell you the easy way and the hard way. And we got to do both. And we are marketing folks and we do both. Is that the easiest way to grow your business? And anybody that's listening, I don't care. You're you're selling little goldfish, you know, for the aquariums and the ponds of people, or you're a giant, you know, manufacturing company. Okay. You have two things that you could do every single day. After all the work that we've ever done, we've consolidated every activity that you could do in marketing, lead generation into these two things. Either you are capturing the demand of the service that people are looking for. You're just going in and holding up the sign saying, I do this. Do you want it? I got it. Or you're in the process of creating demand for people that are looking to buy your services. That's it. That's all there is to it. That's the entire A, the acquisition side. So. When I say the easiest way to grow a business, because again, we have to, I'm measured by people's opportunity in their pipeline. Mm. They're not measuring me based on the day of the week and the weather in Florida or how many rounds of golf they played today. Although that is part of the conversation. It's how much business did you get me, Solomon? And your people got me, right? How much money did you guys put to my, like you said, growth is the ultimate name. I wouldn't be able to keep a client if I don't grow their business, right? Mm -hmm. So just like a financial advisor can't keep a client if you're not going to grow their portfolio. Same exact thing. I think there's a lot of parallels there. So they asked me how much. So what we do is we literally try to capture every piece of demand that we can for that client first before I work on trying to create demand. When a lot of entrepreneurs, they go to work or they hire a marketing person, they post things or do things. They are literally thinking that there's nobody out there that needs it. We need to like drum up some demand as if what they, like you said, mm. the product market fit. Oh, we, we, we got to like go to a trade show. No, figure out how to get in front of people because right now they're Google searching what you do. If you don't show up right now, somebody else is getting that lead. And mm. I know that sounds really super easy. A lot of people say, oh, just Google ads. Why don't I just Google ads? Well, can you confirm that you you showed up for 98% of every search as pertaining your top profitable service? Our original conversation is highly growth and highly profitable. I only help entrepreneurs with the profitable service, like mm -hmm. the most profitable service, because I want them to look at their ROAS return on ad spend to say, well, Solomon, you did well. You know what I mean? You helped me make a lot of money. If they're lower profitable service, then they won't, they won't have a lot of budget to invest into ads and everything else. So we look at that 80-20 rule and say, hey, where do you make the most amount of money? That disproportionate amount of profit. Mm. You're so good at this thing. You crush it. Let me help you get as much of that demand as possible. Okay. So Once let's, we let's do that. 
Go ahead. Let, let's break let's that down. summarize that. So two ways to acquire customers. One is capturing the demand that's already there and they're looking for it. And the other one is creating demand. And, you know, in Thailand, we have like a, a person opens up a noodle shop on the quarter and they just have a cart and they make great noodles and people start to come. And as soon as more and more people come, another sh cart shows up and another cart shows up. And they're capturing the demand that's that's happening right there until they may get four carts. One of them ends up leaving. Then they're down to three. They've captured all that demand and they've done it by basically replicating the service that was given. Why go out and do something dramatically? You know, don't serve hamburgers if people are going to that corner for soup, as an example. So okay. that's. That's one of the things that, that I see. Now, on the other side of it, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're often taught to be innovative. Don't bring the same thing to the market. You know, you need to be creative. And so, you know, it's what's hard is that when you create something that's somewhat innovative, it's not the exact same bowl of noodles that the person that you're setting up to next to is doing. And therefore it starts to turn into having to create demand or how do you handle that? You know, the, you want something that's somewhat unique, but yet that's well, also harder to capture demand. I'm just curious what your thoughts on that. Honor. Absolutely. So to our customers, they don't know the difference that your soup is a little better because you use organic ingredients and you have triple filtered water and that you put fresh whatever on top. You know what I'm saying? The little, <laughs> little greens. They don't know that. They don't know that. So what we do is we still want to show up for noodles near me. And then on our page, we say why we're the top in this. We're the only organic. We're the only company that has organic carts. In fact, we don't even have anything that isn't organic or good for you. You see what I'm saying? The differentiation mm -hmm. happens at that zero moment of truth. When they're trying to make a buying decision, they're like, well, do I do the whitening Colgate press this or that one or the other? They don't know. They know they need toothpaste. You have one chance to make that difference. That's why that, that aisle is so competitive, right? Like, which one am I going to pick? That's why they put little silver, shiny, you know, colors on the, the package because you want to grab their attention. The same exact thing happens on Google search. The ad copy will tell them the best in town, served over a billion, as McDonald's might say. Mm. That gives them some confidence that this is the company. However, if you're selling a complete different product, you would probably have to do a little bit of search on the noodles and the hamburgers and the whatever, because you're trying to get as many of those other people to come to you, mm. if that makes sense, because they just need food. They're so, hungry, they need food. And I'll maybe use my my business as an example, but for the audience listening and viewing, you know, think about it for your own business. In my case, I sell services. One service is completely online and can be global. And that's my valuation masterclass bootcamp. Six-week course, basically helping people learn in six weeks what it would take them years to learn as a financial analyst. And the second one is Profit Bootcamp, which is more local in Thailand, where I am, maybe some of the other bordering countries, but let's focus on Thailand, where I help mid-sized family businesses double their profits in 12 months without overwhelming their teams. So those are two different types of products. One of them is, say, is more local, targeted towards mid-sized family businesses in Thailand. And the other one is global. Anybody can attend. And it's targeting people who really want to build skill in company valuation so they can become a successful fund manager, analyst, or they want to sell their business. Right. What would you do? 
how would you look at a guy like me and say, here's, you know, step one, two, three of the way that you would work with someone like me and, you know, be curious to hear that. Well, number one, some of these things are universal, right? So if you go and create a content about figuring out how much is your company worth, I'll just give you an example of the type of videos that we might want to be creating. So what you do is you go to Google. Number one, everybody says, do I have to buy tools that cost subscription money? The answer is no. You actually don't need any tools. Now, we like tens of thousands of dollars of subscriptions every day, but we don't need that for someone who's looking to figure out how to do the growth formula. When you search company evaluation, how to figure out the company evaluation, there's a section on Google. It says people also asked. Now, this is the part you think Google is giving you all these questions that are in your <laughs> mind because they can read your mind. Technically, for a marketer, that's what you need to be putting out in terms of content in video, audio, text. We're a podcast slash video podcast. So you have audio and video happening right now. If you transcribe this, AI can transcribe it, turn it into a nice blog post, and you put the exact same question as your headline, we are now hitting a global audience. Because when you search that topic, the search can come from Canada or it can come from UK. Google will show the appropriate answers. Right? They don't care where you're from because I see UK search results mm, mm. and I'm in the US. Yep. So number one thing is when you go to uh, YouTube, we search. We don't need to see UK content. We see whatever the most relevant content to what I just punched in. It could be yep. in Spanish. Right. So in the case, in the case of I typed in company valuation, I see private company valuation, how to value a company, company valuation methods, company valuation calculation. Those are the types of things that you're talking about, correct? You would have to create that exact answer with that exact question. And when you click into two and three, it gives you three more. And you can do three more and then three <laughs> more and three more. And then you put another keyword, you get 12 new ones you literally will not run out of topics to create yeah. content for anybody that's struggling to create content. This is it. I gave it to you for free. You don't have to pay me anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Now, and the hard part is executing. That's what our team does. Mm. See, my customers also has access to Google. Yeah. They also know how to do this. But the challenge is uh, they get stuck. They go to work. What happens? Their family, mid-sized company. I'm busy. They turn it into profit. They, the business takes the best of them. They literally mm. go home tired, exhausted. I'm here at six o'clock at night, more energized than ever. I haven't even had coffee yet, Andrew. Look, mm -hmm. like this is why, because I, I'm in my, my zone, right? This right. is what drives our business. So long story short, they cannot produce the content. Then they don't have the video or the audio or the text, the copywriter. They don't have any of the tools. They don't know how to post it on the web. They get stuck. So if you do that part, that will solve the global business. And if you want to run ads or content when people are searching for that on youtube you should promote this video so you can make sure that there's eyeballs for that mm. make sense so that enables you to reach the global audience and i reach a global audience for one of our businesses where i help people start and scale digital marketing agencies they're not in america literally i have people in every country you can imagine yep. they find me on the web they sign up by themselves and they buy products and services when i'm sleeping <laughs> Great. And that's what you're looking for. Right? We all want to earn while we're sleeping. Yes. Okay, that gives right. a good a good teaser on what you do and for the audience and the listeners, I'll have all the links in the show notes. What would be the best place for them to go to learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. My last name is spelled Timothy T H I M O T H Y dot com. I'm trying to get a shorter domain name, Andrew. Help me out with that, you know, but my <laughs> last name was available. 
20 years ago. So I just bought my last name. So I have an email, Solomon at Timothy.com, which most people can't say is my first name at last name. Fortunately, my last name is complicated. So it was easy mm. for me to get that domain name. But, you know, I plan on making that easier because I get on podcasts. A lot of people ask me all the time. Now, I want to solve the local problem. Can we do that mm. real quick? Yeah, yeah. Fired please, up over here. please, please. So now we have this local, let's grow your business, double your profit in the next 12 months. Sounds like a fantastic program. I want to be part of it. But guess what? We could use Google. We could use LinkedIn events. We could do Facebook events. We could do anything where location is part of the search, right? So we can literally show up. There's things like events and all of those things here in America. We have all these event, you know, event mm. bright events or event bright or whatever. Those all kind of aggregate events locally and show up on it. You can create a Facebook event. You could probably run ads against an event. I know LinkedIn event is also another thing where you can invite people that are local to it. I would use anything where location is high. So like Google ads would work where I can say, if somebody's searching for how to increase my profit, only show my ad in a 50 mile radius and not anything else. So I would not try to hit up UK or Canada or anywhere else, New Zealand or wherever. This ad can only show up. And I assume that there's a local link. Yeah, like a local. Uh, and it could be in Thai the, or English. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Put it in their local language. Now they know how to read it. You can also run YouTube ads, but only in a 50 mile, 100 mile radius if they mm. really need to drive that much. This allows us to penetrate that location based searches and local people for that second business. They're just two different funnels. We have customers that are B2B and B2C at the same time. Some people go buy online, yet the wholesales happen on B2B. They're the same company. Mm. So we have to run B2B ads. We have to run B2C ads. We have to measure B2B and B2C separately. And some of them have a physical location on top of that. So that like throws it off even more, right? Like we have to make all of it work and it's totally possible. It's not impossible. You're just doing different things, but they're all digital. They're all measurable, trackable down to the penny. Fantastic. Well, as I said, I'm going to have links in the show notes. So for those people that are interested, make sure to go there. But now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Absolutely, Andrew. So glad you asked because I've been really excited to share my worst investment. All right, so let's go. So I start off as a service company. Service company is a, like you said, professional services, building websites. That was a self-taught web designer. Self-taught means you're not that great. Uh, <laughs> entrepreneurs, that means you didn't really get professional training. You started to do it and you got good at it over time. So I was building websites and I'm onboarding customers. And I realized that I've hired people. Of course, I was hiring kids. I'm out of college, so I hired college kids. Process was terrible. We looked at our numbers, you would probably hate it, saying this is very inefficient. In other words, we're spending a lot more time. More time means money in this in our industry, so, so we make less money at the end of the day. And I said, I have to create some systems, and I'm a techie, as I just told you, I'm a web developer. What if we built a software that helped onboard customers, software that enable them to see their own reports because we're doing you know lead gen ads and things like that, and a software that we can automate so my you know, 22 year old kid that comes from college doesn't have to think, he'll just tell you what to do, right? It'll let you log into your employee portal, tell you, here's all your clients, here's what you need to do. I'm a very much a systems guy. There's no software like this exists, of course not, because, you know, it's unique to my, my problems. So we decided to become a software company, even though 
We're a service business. Mm. What I mean by software companies that go build your own software to build your own backend, like an SAP or whatever else out there, which costs tens of millions of dollars. Here's a kid out of college with barely enough money to just pay the bills, now has to go hire developers, pay tens and thousands of dollars of money he doesn't have to become this super efficient business that is just going to automate everything. It's going to, my CPS is terrible, bad. What is, what is going on here? You're just barely breaking even and you're like going to spend tens of that and then go hire people overseas you've never met that rarely delivers any, like they never deliver anything on time. They're great at taking your money. They want me to wire my money. Of course I did that at age 22 <laughs> or whatever age I was. And I did that for months and months. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's painful listening to it, but tell us how it kind of, when did you come to the realization that you had to uh, stop it? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great story because there's a lot of web design companies out there. There's a lot of companies that did not scale. Why? Because they didn't have the same vision as I did. My vision was there's no way we're going to scale with people. If we're going to scale, we're going to scale with technology. And I promise you, I knew that conviction. I had that conviction. There's no way we could scale. So I built not one tool, Andrew. I built multiple tools. <laughs> one was our backend to manage the projects and the things that we did. To this day, we have this, just so you know. We built another software company called ClickX, which is the name you said in the beginning. On paper, I'll be honest with you, terrible. Nobody would invest because I'm not a funded company. I used to help some you know, startups figure out their market product market fit and just get them some marketing help because they couldn't afford a real marketing company, right? But fast forward a decade of bad investment, it turned out to be our best investment. Mm. Tell me more. What? Why is that? Because like I said, we have our own system where our employees can log in and they see their tasks organized by it. We can automate things in the background so that they don't have to think about it, right? Like, what I'm saying is that at the time, so many entrepreneurs, they see these kinds of things and they might literally just stop investing. But I was, everybody was having much more shorter term outlook on business. You know, Amazon hadn't turned profit for 20 some years or something. You probably know the numbers. Seven, about seven years or so. Yep. Right. Like, nope. And they were hemorrhaging money like crazy. And so is all the other tech. I'm not trying to be like them. I was not funded. I've always wanted to own 100% and not share any of that because I don't want... I've been in companies where, you know, your investors tell you what to do and they'll mm -hmm. tell you whether you can sleep or not. You know what I mean? Yep. That was just not kind of my style. So I'm like, I'll bear this through. So I didn't need a salary. I was a kid. I wasn't married. I just needed a crash and my parents gave me a bedroom. That was plenty for me. But I burned all that money building something to this day. It is our IP, to be honest. It's like mm -hmm. one of the things. So on the ClickX side, we do outbound and inbound lead generation. We use AI today. Thank God for OpenAI's API. Mm -hmm. We personalize emails at scale to tens and thousands of businesses. We book appointments. All of this because that time I made a terrible investment decision. <laughs> but I <laughs> knew that if I wanted to be somebody 17 years from now, buying an off-the-shelf project management company, I would have just probably made you know, enough money and that I would have pivoted to something that kind of did a, a Slack, a Jira or whatever, you know, out there. But because 
I had a longer term vision. Does that make sense? Because I was seeing 30 years out, maybe I was with my little young entrepreneurial eyes. It is now one of the greatest things that helps us grow our own business. And we're able to take that product and, and help other people so let, and do it as well. Let's go back to the story and just summarize what would be the key lesson learned. Yeah, I mean, like I said, entrepreneurs, we're bound to make bad decisions. You know, I'm wearing a shirt that says scale. We have a program, just like you have a program that's mm. called scale. So when you're trying to scale a business, which is that growth thing we talked about at the very beginning, you will make mistakes. You will invest in things without knowing what is going to happen. But I want to give the entrepreneurs that are here today the permission to fail. Because if they don't give themselves the permission to fail, and we want everything to be perfect from the first, like no bad marketing campaigns, no bad headlines, no bad creative, no bad videos on the internet, they'll never figure out what actually is the mm -hmm. right message, the right video, the right anything. So I, I let my employees fail all day. Like go yeah. and try. If it doesn't work, don't worry about it. We wasted a little bit of time, but you know what? It'd be a great lesson for you personally. And it'd be, we know we tried it and it worked. Just as when we started, we said, my marketing campaign may not work for you and your strategy may not work for somebody else. Yet we all watch YouTube channels all day where they're getting millions and you know, Hermosi's making only a hundred million. I could make 200 million. Like everybody tries to do what Hermosi does, but they don't get even 2 million, right? Yeah. Like, because what worked for him isn't going to work. It is that unique. And so I like to give even myself permission, even though I'm at much, the stake is much greater. I'm like, it's okay. And I think that would be the greatest lesson I can share with someone mm. is that they're not willing to invest in themselves. They might not be like, like your six week boot camp. Yep. I think that would be a terrible mistake. If you're trying to sell a company, you don't know how to evaluate a company, which if you want to get it done right, you'll pay tens and thousands of dollars. And if you want to know if the people that you paid tens and thousands of dollars to get it done right, if they're doing it right, you need to know yourself. Mm. Yep. Right? Like, that's the kind of mistakes that people are trying to avoid because they think it's not going to work, but it is a big mistake to not invest. That's where I yeah. come from. I'm um, glad I invested. Yep. <laughs> so let me let me share my takeaway, and that is my first reaction always is the same, and that is never develop an app. Never develop your own software. Now, you're a case where it kind of worked out over time and, and all of that. But from my experience and the people that I've met in business life and my clients and others, as well as people I've interviewed, I would say it rarely works out. It turns out being a huge amount of money and massive delays and it doesn't deliver. And so I had a friend of mine told me he's going to develop an app and I was practically yelling at him at dinner until he, he couldn't figure out why I was so upset. And I'm like, I'm just telling you, do not do it. And he's like, no, no, it's just for me. And it's going to take, I'm, I'm like, no, don't. So my first advice for that, you know, is don't do it. But I think also, you know, what you're talking about too, is trying to develop internal IP and that type of stuff, which is, you know, valuable. I want to, I want to go into the next question, which is, you know, based upon what you learned from that experience, you know, going back in time, thinking about the decisions that you made at that time. Okay. You made it work and it did work eventually, but Based upon, you know, what you've learned over the years, what's one piece of advice you'd give to a young person who is in your situation, who came to you and said, I want to develop an app or software to do this and that. They didn't have much money. 
they had a lot of ambition. What would be one action that you'd recommend that they would take to avoid suffering the same fate? Absolutely. And I wouldn't say it's a highly recommended, but I felt like if you didn't give myself a chance, I would regret that, right? So I think the one piece of advice that I would do is, is literally make sure that this is the thing that you want to spend your next decade trying to figure out. Because if that's not you, which today we live in a shiny object you know, syndrome world, I mean, I have entrepreneurs so stressed out that they're not doing crypto or they're not doing this. And I'm like, why? Why do you have to be in everything? Because mm. to be honest, the richest of richest people will tell you they just did a couple of things right. They didn't mm. actually diversify. They didn't. You probably will tell me the same thing. Mm. They just like Focus. Elon's all money came from like Tesla. Like he didn't have 700 different <laughs> funds that he invested in closed end fund and secret fund and hedge fund. And that's not how he made it. Focus. Right? And Zuckerberg is getting a $700 million payout for this one dividend they just rolled out. That didn't come from all of his hedge fund and his other fund and this, this other thing he's secretly doing in his crypto whatever, you know, wallet. That mm. didn't come either. So you just got to get a couple things right and you'll be way better off anyway. You know, so if they're going in with that short side, get rich quick thing, probably isn't going to work. I'm so grateful that my parents... They raised me up a little different. They never rushed me. They didn't, first of all, tell me what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So that actually freed me up tremendously. So I had the freedom to choose what I wanted to do, right? They didn't tell me to be a doctor or a lawyer. So that's the greatest gift they gave me. Secondly, they didn't tell me that I had to do certain things by certain time. So I was okay failing and trying and testing and learning. Grateful that the people that started that app is still with me today. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's okay. So that's helpful. Long-term vision in particular. So what's a resource that you'd recommend for our, our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I just, there's a, there's a book that I would recommend. I think this would mm -hmm. be one of the greatest books where you kind of hear the 10X framework. I never used to say 10X because it's a marketing jargon. Lots of guys, I love Grant Cardone and all these people, they do it, except that's not really my 10X framework. My 10X framework is that 80-20 principle that we just said earlier. 80% of the things that entrepreneurs are doing today isn't going to add to their pipeline. They don't know that. That's the problem. They don't know that it isn't going to work because there's nobody like me telling them that. So they think all of them has to be done to grow their business. So the resource is a book that is written by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. It's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. Great resource for anyone. I've actually put another masterclass called 10X Pipeline. I'm sure it's on my website where I literally break down how to become the authority in whoever in your niche. That's you, Andrew, somebody else who's listening, because that's where I shine. I help people become authority from obscurity because the problem is nobody knows that the products and services exist. How are they going to buy it? So using that framework or reading that book would be fantastic and also learning how you can leverage the 80-20 principle so that they're not doing the things that are not adding to their pipeline. I mean, I'm all about pipeline because if you don't have a good pipeline of deals, you're not going to have a great month or a great quarter. So my next masterclass is called Dry Pipeline. I have a website called drypipeline.com. The greatest sad thing that I see in organizations is they couldn't make their month. They don't have enough leads. They don't have enough people that are in market with budget, qualified, ready to make a decision. So what do you do? I help them do the thing I told you. Go to Google, search your keyword. Let's go get you some people that are that are searching right now saying, how do I evaluate my business? What are the different methods? 
if I give you a hundred of those people that want to learn more, Andrew, would that help your global product? That's the key. Of them. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Will that fix the dry pipeline? Of course. Mm, yep. But this is the disconnect, right? What needs to happen? They may not have the knowledge or the know-how, the people internally to get it done. And this is sad. Like you said in the very beginning, for every $50 billion company or $2 trillion or Microsoft's hovering like Apple and Microsoft's head-to-head, there's 100 million Apples and Microsoft that couldn't figure it out. Yep. And I feel like I can help them because this very episode is what they need to listen to. Literally this episode right here. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And the book 10X is easier than 2X is, as you mentioned, Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy came out in May of 2023. It's ranked at about 4.6 out of five on Amazon with about a thousand reviews now. I've read it and I would say it's an excellent book. I'll put a link to the show notes in it. And when you read it and you go through it, you'll realize that, yeah, 10X is actually easier than 2X. So that's a great recommendation. You're the first one to recommend that. Last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, I think you said you want to help a million people. Reduce risk in their lives. Reduce their risk. I love that. For me, on the entrepreneur side, I want to personally impact, meaning interaction like this, 10,000 entrepreneurs because I can't handle a million personally, (laughs) but I can scale the Slack and the whatever communication channel so I can impact their business, their personal income, which is something that we talk about at ClickX a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very doable because we're living in a world where people are trying to get rid of the job that they hate, the bosses, they're getting, you know, beat around, like go here, do this, or their job is not fulfilling anymore. People want to go off on their own. You're living in Bangkok. Like, look at that life. That's fantastic. I say that in the agency world, that's the only business where you can live in Bangkok and make hundred grand a month. Yep. So you're making dollars, but you're spending whatever Thai <laughs> currency, I'm which I'm sure. <laughs> yes, right? I'm sure it, it does better than a dollar to a dollar ratio. So like that's, this is one of the businesses we do that being an agency owner for so long, I want to help as many people figure out how to generate a side hustle, a full-time income. I don't know, whatever it is that they're looking for, 10 grand, hundred grand. I wrote a book that's on Amazon, 99 hmm. cents. Why? It's impact-driven. I don't need any money. I'm great. If I can help 100 Andrews, I'll figure out how to make all the money I need. But there's a lot of people I can help figure out how to quit the job that they don't like or the boss that they don't want to see anymore. (laughs) You know, that excites the crap out of me. Great. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. As we conclude, Solomon, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I would say keep taking risks. I know you want to reduce them, but there's ones that you will win big. So that would be my advice. Careful risks and win big. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.